Hello again, it's Noah Coughlin, founder and CEO of BuildUp. Welcome back to The Big Dig, your top CRE podcast presented by BuildUp in Naop, Massachusetts, the Commercial Real Estate Development Association. On this episode of the Project Spotlight series, we take a closer look at 100 Shawmut. Under construction now, 100 Shawmut's 138 condominium residences will merge historic charm with contemporary architecture and will kickstart the further redevelopment of the corner of Shawmut Ave and Herald Street. This episode of The Big Dig is brought to you by Neoscape. Neoscape is a creative studio with offices in Boston, New York, San Francisco, and Dallas. They use strategy, design, and technology as fuel for their storytelling engine. Whether that story is a daring real estate play, a bold corporate venture, or the next consumer innovation. Learn more at Neoscape.com. That's Neoscape.com. Copley Wolf Design Group is an award-winning landscape architecture and planning firm located in downtown Boston. Copley Wolf's vast experience includes the planning and design of urban, housing, mixed-use, academic, green roof and roof deck, healthcare, corporate, playground, park, and waterfront landscape projects. Firm specialties include placemaking, the integration of art into the landscape, cultural and historic interpretation, environmental education, and community participation. Go to copley-wolf.com. That's C-O-P-L-E-Y-W-O-L-F-F.com. Hello, everyone. Megan Doherty here again from Build Up. Um, today we are talking about 100 Shawmut Avenue, an exciting project in the South End. So let's meet our panel. Marcus, why don't we start with you? My name is Marcus Cantu. I'm a landscape designer at Copley Wolf Design Group. My name is Dante Angelucci. I'm an executive vice president in the development group with the Davis Companies. And my name is Rodrigo Lopez. I'm a partner and chief creative officer at Neoscape. I'm Tom Schultz, a senior project architect at a firm in Chelsea called the Architectural Team. So let's talk about the history behind this project and the unique partnership between the Davis Companies and the Boston Chinese Evangelical Church. Do you want to give us a little background on sure. that? Sure. Uh, we acquired the project in 2015. Um, I actually started in August of 2015. Um, when we came on board, we thought it would be very important for us to meet with our neighbors uh, and kind of look at the development as a collaborative approach to uh, redeveloping not just our project but also the entire Shaman Ave and Herald Street project, uh, the entire block I should say. And we met early on with both the church and the uh, Chinese Consolidated Benevolent Association of New England uh, who had a long-standing uh, parcel uh, next door that they acquired uh, in the 80s and had a desire to uh, build some affordable housing there. So we thought it was a, a you know kind of good synergy to work with both the organizations uh, and look at it from a collaborative, collaborative approach to determine what we could do with the site. Um, and we met with them early on and started having conversations about that for many, many years uh, in the uh, pre-development phase. You said many years. How long has this project been in the making? Well, as I said, we started in 2015. Um, we acquired the project. So it was probably a three-year period where we worked closely with the with the neighbors uh, and looked at both what their programs looked like for their parcels in conjunction with ours. Uh, one of the, the true benefits of this project was it afforded us an opportunity to look at it holistically and to develop uh, common area spaces uh, that were benefic beneficial to the neighborhood and to the, uh, to the abutters as well. So let's talk about the design. Um, why is it important that you guys are saving the brick facade that was there um, initially? And has that brought up any challenges um, with construction? 
Um, the, the building was an iconic building in the neighborhood, um, and I'll let uh, TAT speak a little bit to that, but we felt it was important to weave the fabric of the neighborhood into our building. Um, and obviously the dimensions of the building didn't necessarily work out well for residential uh, as a starting platform, uh, but we worked closely with TAT to uh, develop a program that worked for us. Yeah, so <clears throat> retaining the sort of built-in identity associated with that historic architecture of the South End um, made a lot of sense. And to Dante's point, the, <clears throat> the building worked well uh, dimensionally for an office shape, but not so much for a residential shape. So um, we knew that we were going to have to demo portion of the building, you know, putting such a large addition on the sides and, and on the top and integrating that into the structure has a lot of complications. And uh, Mac Maria Salvia, the structural engineer, along with McPhail Associates, the geotechnical engineers came up with a pretty uh, inventive solution on how to anchor all that together and bring everything up to a 21st century building. You know, we do have a, the benefit of being on the Shamanav um, Peninsula, which gives us some really good earth, which is not um, very typical in the Boston area. Marcus, do you want to add anything about the exterior design of the project? Yeah, so, um, you know, what TAT just said kind of dovetails right into that. So we are on the original Boston Peninsula, and what What's nice about that is we we looked back historically to try to find some way to weave that into the design. Um, I think we kind of landed on there were some there were some uh, existing. Um, granite blocks on the site. Um, I, I don't know if they date that far back uh, to the original peninsula, but uh, we ended up reusing those, repurposing those blocks uh, seat, as seating and kind of uh, architectural elements that are going to be um, juxtaposed by contemporary um, lit structures that are going to serve as kind of these art pieces slash lighting slash um, moments throughout the open space uh, that so the residents and the, and the people of the area can enjoy. So the building will feature 138 luxury condos. Um, let's talk about the unit breakdown and some of the finishes and features that buyers can expect. I'm sure people have also seen some of the lovely renderings and the website, um, Rodrigo, which I think your firm has worked on. And can we chat about the importance of having those items available this early in the project too, while you're still kind of just getting underway? Sure. Um, you know, we obviously, this is stated, it's 138 units. Um, we, the average uh, unit sizes vary from 450 square feet uh, for a very, very small studio to 3,000 square feet for our four-bedroom penthouse units. Uh, we have 22 studios, 57 one-bedroom and one-bedroom-plus units, 42 two-bedroom-plus uh, units, 15 three-bedroom units, and then we have two uh, four-bedroom units. Uh, from an amenity standpoint, we felt that this building really we really wanted it to be a full-service uh, building. As a result, we've integrated a number of amenities which are you know, uh, unique to our building um, and taking advantage of the view and sight lines we have in the building. Um, those include things like um, a club room on the 13th floor that has accessibility to a roof deck. We have a pet uh, wash uh, station. We have a child's play area. Um, we wanted to make it a full-service building for the residents of the South End uh, that may be interested in living and in, in, in staying in the South End. Uh, in addition to that, obviously, it's a full, you know, uh, has uh, below-grade covered parking, and we have an elevator in the building. Uh, as you know, a lot of the buildings in that neighborhood are walk-ups, and uh, so as a result, uh, that plus having a 24-7 concierge, uh, we really wanted to make it an amenity-rich building that would attract uh, a whole host of different uh, folks from different demographics. Jumping in on there, I think I wanted to bring it back to the, the you guys were talking about kind of the adaptive reuse and and the marriage of you know the historic piece of the of the building with with 
you know, kind of the, the new architecture um, that has been so beautifully integrated. And, and I think for us, from our early discussions with both the TAT team and, and certainly the Davis groups, we knew that that was one of the kind of the unique features um, of this building. I think primarily, you know, for, for those of us that are architectural nerds, it's 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 a wonderful sort of story of um, kind of reuse, which, you know, in, in a city like Boston, it's, it's, it's an important theme. But I think for buyers, it translates into options, which I think is something that everybody is looking for. So you do have the opportunity to buy into the more traditional sort of offering that the South End um, that is, is sort of known for. But you can also, you know, live in kind of the, the crisp and clean piece of the building, you know, the, the modern piece that sort of hovers above. And so, you know, optionality became kind of something that we wanted to communicate through, you know, through a lot of the imagery and, and certainly a lot of the materials that, that we put together for this project. And then tying into the the amenities, I think full service buildings, you know, and this might sound weird to some people, but full service buildings in the South End are still historically kind of a relatively new thing. It's a, it's kind of a relatively current thing. Um, you know, it's still a neighborhood that most people know for its traditional kind of walk up and historic brownstones. Um, so the ability to offer concierge service and parking, in addition to you know the amenities that, that Dante mentioned, um, and I think this idea, which which also became kind of a, a dominating theme, and and as we were putting together kind of the marketing piece of the project, was outdoor space. Um, you know, and, and you, Marcus, alluded to it a little bit in terms of you know the considerations that are being being given to that. But I think for a lot of the buyers, particularly the ones that are coming from the suburbs, that perhaps are giving up, you know, some outdoor space. In some cases, probably a lot of outdoor space. Um, in in exchange for kind of the the convenience and you know that urban living offers, being able to still enjoy such a, a variety of outdoor space, I think you might, there's at least three sizable terraces up and down the building. There's some ground floor kind of outdoor space, and then there's and you have to correct me on the number of units, but I think there's there's a, a healthy number of units that also have private terraces and balconies as well. Um, so I think all those things combined make this a pretty kind of unique, um, unique building, not only in the South End, in, in the South End, but in Boston. Yeah, I, roughly, I think it's something along the lines of 80 units uh, have outdoor uh, space of one kind or another, whether it be a balcony or a private patio. Um, I did. I failed to mention we do have a third floor um, uh, area, outdoor area that's really a uh, contemplative type space. Um, then in addition to this club area that has both indoor and outdoor, and then a roof deck on the very top. Club room and the roof deck and that third floor amenity are all common amenities to the building. So those folks who don't have that outdoor space will be able to take the benefit of that space and utilize it in the way that they uh, see fit in terms of their lifestyle. Tom, did you want to comment on any of the finishes or the design aspects of the project? Uh, sure. <clears throat> Embark Studio is the uh, interior designer. Um, and we worked with them very closely uh, in laying out the units. Um, <clears throat> as Dante mentioned, there's a, a, a variety of unit types, all the way from units, uh, from studios up to four bedrooms, which is pretty unique in, in this area of uh, Boston. Usually it's either all really small units or all very large units. And I think that that sets us up to have to use the space of that deeper building more effectively. So your studios, um, we wanted to have sleeping nooks so that you can separate there, have some privacy in those studios and and, and have uh, common areas as well, public spaces. So you don't have your bed looking directly across from your kitchen, say. Um, and then even the one bedrooms, those typically are for couples. Um, and 
you know, when you have to work at home, you may need some areas to, to work separate. So we have a lot of dens. So that's another effective way we used that added square footage in the, uh, the deeper print. Uh, in terms of finishes, you know, one thing that we're seeing in the market now is for a lot of years, there was darker woods were trending. Now things are lightening up a little bit. This building, just from the outside, you can see it's more of a contemporary building, the addition, um, which ties ties into um, the the existing, more of a you know juxtaposition of old and new. And so we're doing that in the inside as well. So you're not seeing a lot of crown molding as you used to in the past. It's more of a clean, contemporary feel, and things are lightened up. So we talked about the amenities. Um, let's also talk about the improvements to the streetscape and the connections to the neighborhood. That'll be part of this project. Sure. Uh, um, part of the, the city's uh, outlook on the, on the neighborhood, I think that they were really interested um, in creating connectivity through the neighborhood. And as part of the, the New York Streets uh, program, they were looking for east-west as well as north to south connections. Um, by us working collaboratively with our neighbors, we were able to create uh, basically 26% open space across the parcels, um, and particularly create a, a uh, almost a pocket park. Um, adjacent to that, we were able to create both a north to south uh, walkway through that space and also create an east to, east to west uh, connection as well. Um, I'll let Marcus speak more to that, but that was um, you know, one of the true benefits of this project was allowing that public uh, pocket park to essentially be accessible from essentially all directions around the site. And you know that, that kind of ties into the surrounding context as well. There's, uh, there's a, a pedestrian pathway uh, to the uh, west of the site that now will continue all the way through the site and really all the way through to, um, I guess, two blocks to the east, right? Um, so that was a, a big factor in kind of the, the layout of the overall design. Uh, as far as the improvements to the streetscape, um, you know, we, we are, um, you know, really not pulling out any stops. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be permeable paving. Um, along the street edge, um, new sidewalks, new street trees, um, some some planters, um, and um, you know along Harold Street, um, in particularly, there's really no street trees along that section, and so we'll be including some vegetation along there, um, which is much needed, in my opinion. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> the the you know the influence of the park was really kind of Paley Park in New York, and that was something we we wanted to replicate in Boston. There's not a lot of little pocket parks like that. Mm -hmm. It works um, out to the to about the exact same scale scale actually, so we use that as a precedent. Right. Yeah, so we're really excited yeah. about bringing that to the south end. Yeah, I think that'll be a great addition to that stretch there because it is very kind of barren right now. Since I'm kind of an architectural nerd, I wanted to talk a little bit more about interiors and kind of how you guys decide what you're going to use for marketing and the renderings of the project. And Rodrigo, how does your team kind of come about with these pictures? Do you work with the architects or how does that process work? Well, we've had the good fortune to have had some experience working with a, with the Davis team on, on a project actually uh, across the harbor uh, in East Boston. So we had a pretty good kind of understanding as to what their expectations were and what, what was important to, to them and, and also working in conjunction with the with the sales and marketing team. I mean, for us, it's it really just starts with listening. I mean, certainly we've, we've been doing this for 25 years. So, you know, solving the riddle of, you know, what images do you kind of bring to the table and, 
is is actually kind of table stakes for us. That part is is not um, the complicated part. That I think where it gets fun is is to, to really have conversations about collectively, you know, what what ultimately is going to be important to buyers, um, and what are the pieces that we can leverage to really highlight, you know, some of the, the key themes that we've been that we've been talking about. Um, so both from you know attention to detail, also having had experience working with TAT and Embark on previous projects, we know that there's a great deal of time and expense spent, you know, including Davis, you know, who up until very recently, we know we're, we're sort of fine tuning all the details of, you know, drawer pulls and things like that. I think it for us, it's it's just being part of, of that process that allows us to then identify the, the things that are kind of key for us to illustrate in in the imagery and and put together in in the materials you know the conversation about outdoor space became an important one not so much as as something that we were going to plaster you know as as copy and messaging that we we're going to plaster everywhere but mostly just you know we knew that by providing essentially the the backdrop of open space and and the views that those open spaces affords to um, the materials it was going to make for a much sort of natural and organic conversation you know when it comes time to this for the sales team to to engage with with prospective buyers you're not really there's nothing really that we have to force here um, a lot of the elements that we've been talking about it's just a matter of you know how you modulate them um, and and bring them to bear in in the materials you know whether it's print pieces or more dynamic pieces like the videos that we'll be um, releasing over the next coming months that kind of show you know what this attention to detail means and um, and what the commitment is that that the team you know the team is, is sort of bringing to the table here I think we spent a lot of time trying to really translate our vision into a lifestyle um, I think that was really important we wanted folks to see what our ultimate lifestyle would be at the at the building and a lot of the imagery that we chose and the videos and the like we spent a lot of time looking at those and from a very detail-oriented standpoint because we wanted every aspect of it to feel as if though someone was walking into that room for the very first time and what they would see uh, and really translating that lifestyle again looking at that you know the views that you have from that uh, roof deck um, I think anybody who sees those images is going to really want to, you know, if they can afford to, obviously live in the building. And I think that's really important for us to, to make sure that that translates. So you say if they can afford to. Do you have any prices yet? Maybe on the uh, studio? <laughs> <laughs> we do have some prices. Uh, you know, I'd actually defer to our sales and marketing team, which is Advisors Living, yeah. to, to uh, give you specifics on the, on the mm-hmm. dollars per square foot for different types of units. Uh, again, because we do have a, a, a varied product type in the building, uh, the numbers do move a little bit, whether it's the existing building to the new structure and where those, uh, you know, the view corridors are. Um, so I don't want to quote numbers right now. I think that would be uh, wouldn't be prudent for me to do yeah. that. I just I had to ask. Oh, no, no, I understand. No, I understand. <laughs> I, it's just I'd rather have them respond to that uh, yeah. as they are our sales experts. So along with the luxury condos, there will also be um, around another 350 units in upcoming stages. Mm-hmm. So can we chat about the importance of bringing this additional housing um, to the south end neighboring with Chinatown here? Sure. I, I think that was one of the, the, the most important aspects of collaborating with our, our butters uh, was the opportunity here to, to maximize the housing um, while still offering this great open space and connectivity amongst the neighborhood. Um, but, I, you know, bringing that many units to bear and having 25% of those uh, be affordable units uh, was really something that was important to us as a developer and obviously uh, trying to fulfill 
Mayor Walsh's uh, goal of adding uh, 69,000 new units uh, to Boston uh, by 2030. In addition to that, uh, not only is it just a level of affordability from a rental standpoint, there's also going to be affordability from a home ownership standpoint uh, at the CCBA site, uh, and we're thrilled that that's an opportunity we're able to bring to Boston and uh, to make it more affordable, uh, as you know, is... Uh, as the population increases, uh, business has been very active in the Boston market, and uh, you, know, you have housing constraints, and those housing constraints translate into uh, cost increases. Um, so by doing this and coming to, together in this project and being able to do that, I think from a social responsibility standpoint, we're really excited about the fact that we're able to collaborate with those two neighbors and get this done. So how would you each say this project differentiates itself from other developments in Boston or the South End in particular? Uh, I'll start. I think that having the existing building uh, gives it some roots already. Um, and then with the contemporary addition, juxtaposed against that, um, you know, starts to look forward to the future. It um, you know, right on the edge of the South End District. So it creates a not only the edge of the district, but a gateway into the district. Um, and it's a very visible um, building right now because of the, the Mass Pike. Yeah, I mean, dovetailing on that, I the location was also, I mean, obviously we knew that from the beginning what the 100 Shamet address kind of brought to the table. And, you know, from a marketing perspective, um, Shamet remains, you know, one of kind of the iconic streets in, in a very iconic neighborhood. Um, and I think that the, this particular, this project's particular location is interesting as well, because as much as, you know, you have access to all the great things that the, the South End has has been offering, you know, for, for years, including, you know, the this kind of new new piece of the tra- uh, of the South End that's sort of been developing and growing around uh, Ink Block and coupled with sort of the the continued rise of the SOA Arts District, which adds kind of a really interesting layer of, you know, kind of cultural amenities to to the neighborhood. But, you know, it's it's a gateway into the neighborhood, but I think it also offers, you know, residents access to so much more, you know, so you have all the great things that, that you can, that the South End offers, but you're a five minute walk from the theater district, um, just a slightly longer walk, you know, to the public garden and the back bay. So I think this idea, again, look at the buyers, particularly buyers that are coming from out of town that really want that that ability to, you know, go out for a lovely dinner or a cup of coffee or, you know, anything from like yoga to spas to massages to, you know, it, uh, the amount of sort of, you know, we, we, we kind of, from the beginning, we we were playing around with this idea of, you know, you have one address, but within this address, you have access to an infinite number of um, amenities and wonderful things that, um, you know, that you can do. So that us, you know, the the, the kind of the, the combination of the architecture, the location, you know, and things like the outdoor space make it kind of a, a triple threat, I guess, you know, as it were, you know, in, in the market. I think that the you know, kind of one of the biggest benefits of having worked with the neighbors was our ability to to integrate their programs into our program from an overall standpoint. So, you know, the relationship between the buildings and this massing and uh, those open spaces and kind of, again, creating a place at that corner of Herald and Shaman Ave is really, really important. Taking advantage of all those neighborhood attributes uh, that were just outlined, I think, is you know, was something we had given a lot of thought to. Um, so I, again, I, I think we we're very happy and proud of where we've come out on the project in terms of the design and 
you know, programming of all three buildings. Uh, working with the church next door, obviously, they have a very large constituency that they are trying to accommodate. Um, so there was a lot of programming challenges, but at the same time, I think the fact that we were able to work together and really create a cohesive project, I think that was some one of the biggest benefits of this deal. Yeah, so uh, kind of as a, from a site design and landscape perspective, I thought this project was really interesting um, because although there are three different owners with three different buildings, the site was treated as one. Um, so you didn't have this patchwork of design throughout the throughout the site. So that was really interesting in different phases, um, but really just make, making sure that it, it was designed well, uh, designed cohesively. Um, the corridors that we talked about the, uh, offered the connections that we wanted. And it, I think that's unique. To answer your question, that's kind of unique for me because that's not something I deal with on a daily basis in terms of landscape design. And if I could add one more thing, I mean, I think as you look at a lot of projects of, of this scale and this footprint, it's very, it would it would have been very easy to think within the confines of the site. And I think, you know, it's a testament to the work that Davis and, and Copley Wolf has done to actually connect. I mean, the South End is known for being this, you know, a wonderful neighborhood where you can walk down, you know, small streets. And, you know, I think it has the highest concentration of parks, you know, in, in the city of Boston. Um, so I think, all, you know, being able to kind of bring all the elements that exist in the neighborhood and, and kind of embed it here and make it an outward facing and a, kind of a in its own way. And, and I think, I guess, in its relatively still small footprint, um, still kind of accommodate all the attributes that make the neighborhood a great neighborhood. You know, at least from us, from our perspective, it was a very ownable thing to talk about this building, you know, as being kind of part of the, the new fabric of Boston, which is which is exciting. So what is the timeline on construction at this point and availability along with the timeline for the upcoming phases of the project, if you guys have that set yet? Yeah. Um, so essentially our anticipated completions late fall of 2020, where we're in the throes of uh, structural construction right now. We're doing our uh, concrete core in the middle of the building. Our steel will be arriving in uh, late September. Uh, and we'll start the erection of that. Um, we also have our uh, curtain wall uh, being delivered in um, around January timeframe of next year. So we expect to be fully uh, tight with the building uh, by the end of the, of the following year, obviously, and having uh, our finishes going in. So that's kind of the you know the outline of the schedule. And if you want to add anything to that, Tom, is anything else you think? worth mentioning. That's exciting. So to wrap up, um, beyond 100 Shawmits, what other noteworthy projects are on the horizon for all of you? Marcus, do you want to start? Big project of mine, uh, it's not on the horizon, but it's it's um, actually being built right now, is uh, Fenway Center. Um, and you'll, you'll see that as you're driving into the city. Um, it's every day. Both ends of the mass pipe. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, it, it amazes me, you know, whenever I go out of the city for the weekend or come back in, um, just how, how fast that's moving along. So that's an exciting project for us. Uh, the biggest one I'm working on right now is the Omni Hotel out in the seaport. So it's 1,055 rooms. Uh, it'll have the largest um, hotel ballroom in the city at 25,000 square feet. Uh, so we're really excited about that project. Roughly $552 million deal. So pretty sizable and a very exciting project that we're bringing to the seaport. Um, we're also working on... Uh, um, Fenway Center uh, that Marcus brought up, <clears throat> which is nice to see. You know that we do have both ends of the Mass Pike, uh, very visible projects. Um, another one that's very visible uh, from the water is Clippership Wharf over in East Boston. Um, some of those units are online already. Um, the Archer Residence in um, Beacon Hill, which is uh, coming online shortly. Um, 
<clears throat> across uh, another waterway in um, Somerville is the Alta Assembly we're working on right next to Assembly Row. And then a little further out uh, in Worcester, actually, um, is the Worcester County Courthouse, which is one of the first of its kind adapting a courthouse uh, into market rate and affordable housing. So for us, um, the future is always about diversity and both the types of projects and also the scale. Um, we continue to do work on uh, Bullfinch Crossing, particularly the um, the new home um, State Street at, at One Congress. Um, we have been kind of started to get involved in some exciting residential projects that I unfortunately I can't name right now um, in the city but that's that's exciting um, for us as well and we always do this keeping an eye also on what this means you know for sort of the the health of, of the real of real estate not just here in Boston but um, across the country and and those are all hold very promising signs um, and we've also just recently started to get involved on, on a few different um, life sciences projects interesting developments around that which is as we know it's it's a huge thing in Boston um, kind of leading the world as it were on on that front so it's it's exciting to be involved on those projects and those projects vary in scale as well um, so yeah it's exciting times excellent Thank you guys all so much for joining us here on The Big Dig. Thanks for listening to The Big Dig. If you like the podcast, please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. For more information on the Commercial Real Estate Development Association, NAOP, Massachusetts, go to naiopma.org. To stay on top of all of the happenings in real estate development, design, and construction, go to bldup.com and get in the know. In the know is a way for you to follow business intelligence, and market analytics that can point to new opportunities for business development. Be one of the first 200 to get in the know and get a 50% off discount for life. Go to bldup.com or email me, noah, N-O-A-H, at buildup.com. Are you in the know?